Silence is golden, especially when it comes to brakes. That's why Napa Silent Guard are built to be one of the smoothest and most quiet brakes on the market. Made with fiber-reinforced shims that eliminate noise for the life of the pad, rubber-coated hardware for a better fit, and quality design that meets and exceeds OE performance. Silent Guard brakes deliver the stopping power drivers demand. Available now at Napa locations nationwide. Welcome in for another episode, NASCAR Coast to Coast, presented by Flow Racing here on the Motor Racing Network. As always, Chris Wilner from the Concord, North Carolina studios, Kyle Ricky, my buddy up in Killingly, Connecticut. Currently, I think you're still at Stafford Motor Speedway at this time, uh, gearing up for another busy weekend. Uh, Kyle, how are things in your neck of the woods? Can't believe we're already uh, mid-May already. This is, and it's my favorite month of the year, of course. It's amazing how this time of the year flies by so quickly. And yet back, you know, four or five months ago, December, January, February, they just kind of creep along one snowstorm at a time. But uh, yeah, the weather's improving. Uh, unfortunately, we had a rain out on Monday with our Wild Thing Carts program, but uh, had a great Friday night of racing, full field of cars, a great crowd. And uh, hopefully we get that uh, this Friday night as well with our open modified call before you dig 81 race. So it's going to be, uh, should be a good night of racing. Absolutely, and that'll be live on Flow. We'll talk about that coming up uh, in a little bit later on in the show. We got all three of our major series in action here this weekend. This past weekend, whether it was Arc Menards, the NASCAR Pinty Series opening their season, Wheel and Modified Tours in action as well. We'll talk about those on the show as well as we've got Amber Balkin on the show representing the Arc Menards Series. A heck of a start to her year, constantly improving, got her career best finish a uh, nice top 10 out at Kansas this weekend, so we'll talk to her as well. But we'll start things off, as always, with the Ground Pounders, the Modified Series. Uh, back in action after about another month delay or month break in their season, I should say, with the Miller Lite 200 out at Riverhead Raceway there in Long Island, New York. Yeah. Uh, i got to have my accent in there as well. Uh, and such a compelling story. We talk about, you know, six-time uh, tour champion Doug Kobe, obviously no stranger to victory lane. He's super good, but... The circumstances of showing up there, not even knowing he was going to race until the Tuesday before the race, uh, jumping in that legendary 7NY out of Tommy Baldwin, and then picking up the win, uh, substituting there for Jimmy Blewett, taking care of his sick daughter who was in the hospital. I mean, you can't write a script better than that. And it was really cool to see Doug get the win and dedicate it to her. And thankfully, uh, Jimmy's daughter, Kayla, is out of the hospital on the road to recovery, appears to be doing well from some of the photos and updates that I've seen. But uh, yeah, what a combination. Uh, Tommy Baldwin Jr., a legendary car owner in all levels of NASCAR. Doug Kobe, you mentioned the six-time champion and has had so much success in that series over the years. Wasn't planning on running that event and, and is only going to run a handful of races this season uh, with his own personal team uh, running a part-time schedule this year in tour competition. Uh, the call was made. Uh, Doug showed up at a track that he has done well at as of late and took the lead early and never looked back. And, and what a performance. What he Once he got out front, um, you know, he was hard to, to catch, hard to beat. And, uh, you know, he's going to, you know, just announce as we're filming the show, uh, announce that he's going to do it again this weekend at the Lee USA Speedway up in, up in New Hampshire. So uh, Jimmy's going to take one more weekend off, make sure uh, Kayla's good to go. And before he gets back on the road and, 
And that's going to allow Doug uh, another shot at uh, getting Tommy another checkered flag in that famous 7NY car. See, it, it's sometimes, you know, being a part-time driver kind of has its its perks a little bit. You're a little bit more available for situations. Now, granted, you don't ever want to be a substitute driver in this kind of situation, but to the fact that he is available and to have a guy of his stature, and, and like we mentioned, six-time tour champion, to keep, be waiting in the wings on the bench and, and to get the call, I mean, that's that's pretty good. And and obviously for Doug, it's it's more seat time. He's not running his own equipment, uh, and but he's still out there able to compete and win, and really cool for him. And you mentioned Riverhead. I think he's won three of the last four times he's been there. So uh, And this was his first start of the season, so he's about to go uh, make his second straight start here coming up this Sunday. And uh yeah, really cool for Doug and, and couldn't be happier for the whole Tommy Baldwin organization. Uh, he was just on a couple of podcasts here earlier this week talking about the, how big that race is for him and, you know, his native Long Island area. So uh, really cool to see him win. But Justin Bonsignor, I mean, my goodness, if he's not winning, he's finishing at the tail. And certainly he did that again after New Smyrna. He won Richmond. And now he had motor troubles again, finished 25th, Kyle. Uh, this is very uncharacteristic of him. Very. And usually you can get one, you can get away with one mulligan in, in the length of a NASCAR wheel and modified tour season, which is about 14 races. Um, hard to recover from two finishes outside of the top 20. And, and that's what we've had from Justin. He finished dead last at New Smyrna Speedway after early issues um, in that race and where there was a healthy car count. I think he was 27th or 28th, maybe deeper than that. Um, turn around, win Richmond, come back a month later, think you're, you know, the positive momentum is on your side. You're climbing up through the standings, you're up to eighth and then boom, you know, literally, uh, another engine issue early in the race the other night at Riverhead and, and you know, he finishes 25th, um, and, and right back down clinging to the top 10 in the standings again, and you're losing more and more ground to those guys that are are consistently running up front, like, you know, the Eric Goodales and the Ron Silks and the Tommy Catalanos of the world. I mean, if you, at this point, if you get more than 30, 35 points out, uh, it's going to be tough to come back from, but if anybody can do it right now, it's him. Moving on to the NASCAR Pinty series, Kyle, a series that's grown near and dear to both of us following the grassroots level, but really has picked up a lot of traction here on the state side as Pinty's we announced, you know, earlier this year, uh, picking up that five-year deal to be the premier NASCAR sponsorship uh, sponsor and really supporter of NASCAR in Canada. A uh, lot of momentum going into this year, a great race, and it certainly went all the way down to the wire at sunset in a dramatic finish with a first-time winner. Yeah, uh, Trayton Lapsovich picking up the race win in his, uh, what, second full-time season in that series. Of course, the Lapsovich name uh, long associated with this series, with Caden Lapsovich doing so well years ago. Trayton now picking up right where Caden left off in victory lane. But what a wild finish to this 250-lap event. Uh, Raphael, or make that Mark Antoine Cameron and Raphael Lassard got together battling for the lead on a late race restart, two laps to go. Both cars went up the racetrack, and it's like the, 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 the waters opened up for Trayton Lapsovich, and uh, he went underneath them both, picked up the race win. Uh, whether it was Cast Car years ago or the NASCAR Pinty Series now, I have always loved this series. Uh, they race hard every lap like it's the last lap. Uh, great field, 20 cars. Uh, taking the green flag at Sunset Speedway back over the weekend, live on Flow Racing, which is another plus uh, for the 2021 season that we can, or 2022 season that we can watch the races live here in the States. 
great personalities, and I'm sure we'll get to know Trayton Lapsovich here over the 2022 season. Yeah, you can see the relief on his face, too, and Victory Lane's been so close last year. I think a couple runner-up finishes, rookie of the year, said, I need to get a win on my bucket, you know, on my checklist. Finally got it done here, and what a way to do it in the opening race of the season. So he'll obviously take the points lead into round number two, but uh, what a great race. Uh, you mentioned Mark Antoine Cameron, dominant car, tires fell off. Rafael Lassard, you know, he's no stranger to NASCAR on the U United States side of things. Ran a few truck series races. Uh, and then obviously he's back now in the Pinty series. So I think that'll be kind of a, your early look at maybe a three, four car horse race uh, in the Pinty series here to start the year. Don't count out LP Dumoulin. I know he had some issues last car on the lead lap, but uh, he is the reigning champion of the series, multi-time champion in the NASCAR Pinty series. So uh, keep an eye on LP, kind of like Justin Bonsignor in the Modifieds, had some early issues and uh, I wouldn't count him out of the championship battle either. Obviously still early, a shorter season, Although longer than what we have seen the last two years because of the COVID restrictions that have been uh, loosened up in Canada. So uh, they're allowed to have a full schedule, but still relatively short. Uh, but keep an eye on LP Dumoulin to, uh, to challenge for, for race wins and for yet another championship north of the border. And I know they don't have a hard charger award per se, but Brandon Watson spun on lap 53 to the tail, marched his way all the way back up to third. So a tip of the cap to Brandon, certainly uh Past probably the most cars all night. Still gets a podium finish, though. Nice job. They're back at CTMP, Canadian Tire Motorsports Park, coming up on Sunday. eBay Motors 200. We'll have more on that coming up a little bit later in the show. But another really cool racetrack. First road course of the year. Should be exciting. Uh, and then we got the Arkham and Art Series. Uh, the ladies and gentlemen of the National Series, boy, they buckled up at Kansas, where it's just absolute wide open. Two, three wide. We had drama in that series as well. Uh, coming up with Nick Sanchez. I think is really starting to make a name for himself. Picked up his second win of the year, courtesy of uh, well, some contact at the front of the field. Kyle, every right, every race had that moment this year, this week. You know, the modifieds uh, with Doug, and and then uh, the Pinty series that we just talked about. This race, Drew Dollar, Corey Heim racing for the lead on a restart uh, midway through the event. I think there were about forty-two laps to go or so. No doubt the two dominant cars, the entire race um, came together. In turn four, both spun, uh, got into the outside wall, a bunch of damage, both weren't uh, able to continue on. And a uh, little bit of controversy there. If you saw the, the Billy Venturini interview online, uh, got some people's attention. Yeah, it certainly have. And hopefully we can play some because, oh my goodness, Billy is certainly uh, sound off. I mean, there's no filter when it comes to Billy Venturini, and I think caught a lot of people. Not maybe didn't surprise a lot of people, but I think got a lot of people's attention of of kind of how he felt. But you know what? That that's racing at the Arkham Art Series level, and you know a lot of these young drivers are learning. And Drew Dollars had some now experiences up in NASCAR's higher series, but at the same time, it's still a learning process. He owned up to it after the fact on social media. Corey Heim, uh, you know, not really happy per se but understood the situation i think a little bit more post race than he did during the race but never the never the fact it's never over till it's over and if you're nick sanchez you're saying boys thank you very much i'll go ahead and take that trophy and uh, move myself up higher into the points uh, chasing his teammate roger caruth who had his career best finish runner up in second so rev racing one two yeah, he was in studio with us a week ago was very excited to get back to kansas speedway getting more and more comfortable on these bigger racetracks not only are they 1-2 in the race, but they're also 1-2 in the championship standings after four events. So 
Rev Racing uh, showing well here early on in the Arkham Menard series. Again, we're not even close to the, the meat of the schedule yet. Just four races in, going to string the, some races together here. Uh, like the Modifieds, they've been on and off quite a bit over the first few months of, of the calendar year. But uh, Rev Racing right now, team to beat. And uh, good for, for Rajah Karuth. I know a lot of us have been waiting for that breakthrough, and, and we're seeing it here. Nick Sanchez running well as well, getting that checkered flag last week so uh we'll see what they can do now at charlotte motor speedway here in a couple weeks time daniel die gustine connor mosek your top five and daniel die obviously was in the news all last week being suspended indefinitely by arca due to an incident back in florida at his high school that got turned around after charges went from a felony to a misdemeanor so he was back at the racetrack certainly a lot of outside noise around around daniel die certainly handled it on the racetrack is probably as best as you could without getting a win, getting a nice podium finish, keeping himself in the mix of things. But uh, certainly a story that we're going to continue to follow for sure in that series. And they're back uh, pretty shortly, two weeks' time at Charlotte Motor Speedway, part of Coke 600 weekend, another mile and a half, another intense race that should be, you know, especially that time of year down here in Charlotte, you know, Kyle, is hot. So it's going to be slick. It's going to be a fun race. It'll be a lot of slip sliding around, and I expect because it is in Charlotte uh, and and a less of a travel for a lot of the race teams that we'll see a pretty good field uh, show up for that event at Charlotte Motor Speedway. A lot of these young drivers that uh, cut their teeth at Charlotte on the quarter mile track uh, in legend cars and bandoleros. Uh, the next logical step for a lot of these drivers, uh, other than you know late model at Hickory, is the Arkham and Art Series, and you know jump back in at their home racetrack at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Absolutely. Looking forward to it being right here in our backyard, NASCAR's backyard. Uh, but uh, Amber Balkin, we're going to have her on the show here in just a minute. What a job she's done uh, in such a short amount of time in this full-time ride here in the Arkham Menard Series. Really kind of picked her way through, 16th at Daytona, then just outside the top 10 at Talladega after a good run. Gets a top 10 here at Kansas. Things are trending in the right direction for her. How impressed have you been seeing her progress in such a short time? I know she had some ARCA West Series background with Bill McAnally the last year or so, but this has really been kind of her breakout. And it's been fun to watch her grow the last, I feel like I've known Amber now for six or seven years um, when she was running dirt. Uh, ran the Chili Bowl a couple times and, and made the transition over to asphalt, has run both uh, in her home country of Canada, down here in the States. Um, and it's taken her a while to get to this point, but she has done it very methodically. And she found some success last year on the asphalt and in the Arkham Arts West series. Now, as she said in an interview this, this week at, at Kansas, you know, all these tracks are new to me. She's never run a super speedway before until this season. And now she has two under her belt at Daytona and Talladega. And I believe survived both of them for the most part, which not yeah. many people can say they've done. And, and now these bigger mile and a half tracks, you know, Arca West doesn't run mile and a half, uh, nor did, you know, any of her other divisions. So she's, she's really getting a grasp on these bigger racetracks and she's doing a nice job. Now, how will she do on road courses and dirt races later in the, in the summer? We'll talk to her about that in a bit, but so far, so good for Amber driving for Red Jones Racing. Yeah, and you know what? Why don't we just ask her right now? Amber's on the line. We'll have her coming up next here on NASCAR Coast to Coast. We'll visit with the driver from Rhett Jones Racing, Amber Balkin. You're watching NASCAR Coast to Coast presented by Flow Racing, the new home of NASCAR Roots. Catch the Wheel and Modified Tour, Arc Menard Series, Pinties, and NASCAR Weekly Tour Races all season long on flowracing.com. Subscribe today.
And welcome back to NASCAR Coast to Coast, presented by Flow Racing. As we promised, joining us now, the driver of the number 30, Rhett Jones Racing Ford Mustang in the Arkham Menard Series. It is Miss Amber Falcon. Amber, welcome to the show. I know you're no stranger to the show here, but uh, you're riding quite a bit of momentum. You're getting your top five at Kansas. It's been a pretty good start to the year for you. How would you summarize everything uh, at Kansas this weekend? It was actually top 10. Top. I like the sound of top five better, though. That, that's true. Ah, good, true. good point. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was good. You know, Talladega, we really improved from Daytona. Um, I mean, cross finish line at P9 with the, you know, them cutting the race early and everything. Official results were P12. So um, use that momentum to Kansas to Kansas. We had a couple of weeks to prepare for Kansas, which was great. It allowed me time to really spend time on the simulator and watch past footage. And we, I just really made sure that I was prepared for Kansas. It was my first mile and a half track, of course. Um, and I felt that, you know, we executed on what we wanted to execute on. We wanted a strong top 10 finish. And for me to just run every lap and get better every race, um, it's, it's a year full of learning. So, um, sorry, my mom's just calling me there. <laughs> um it's it's a year full of learning and uh you know i'm i'm i think we really did that at kansas so happy to have that top 10 and, and move this momentum towards charlotte as well you mentioned first mile and a half kansas speedway and i think you said in an interview over the weekend that every one of these tracks for the most part is going to be your first time there kansas specific um Throughout the, the weekend, throughout the race specifically, how much tweaking is there on the race car, especially during that break, to, to get you more comfortable as you and the team continue to learn together these bigger racetracks? Yeah, so we only had about 45 minutes of practice and it was the day of our race. So I really utilized that time to figure out the track, figure out how hard I can push it. Um, you know, with mile and a half, I go from Daytona or Talladega to, to here. So obviously we're not flat footing it right at Kansas. So just getting comfortable with the track, the lanes, the how hard I can push in the corner, but still having the race car for the race. You know, you don't want to ever have to go to a backup car for the race. So um, it was really just about getting comfortable. And my fastest lap time of the race was in the second half of the race. So it just shows you, you know, I just needed that seat time to learn the track, get comfortable. And um, that's really what this season's all about. And my goal is just to progress every race. And so far, I think we've done that. And I just want to continue on that path. And speaking of preparation, I know you're an iRacer, right? Using those tools to kind of get yourself familiarized with different racetracks, but you're also big into fitness. And if you follow her on Twitter, Instagram, you know what kind of fitness regimen that Amber takes. So walk me through how important that is for you. Obviously, you've got a sponsor with First Form. You got to see their headquarters. I mean, how big is, is the personal fitness side a part of you getting ready, you know, to tackle racing? Yeah, that's really big for me. You know, on the off season, I really put fitness at the front of everything else. I am working out twice a day, making sure I have that strength for these races. These races are so physically demanding. Even after Kansas, I was whipped. You know, it's it's hot in these cars. We're in there for a hundred laps and um, my body's still not used to that yet. You know, the, what I did last year with McAnally's um, driver's Academy, the short, the races were really short. So my body's still getting acclimated to these longer hot races. And a big part of that is, you know, making sure I'm doing everything I can off the track to prepare for that. And, and that's being in the gym as much as possible. I work with pit fit, which is driver specific training, which I think is really good and, and I'm learning a lot there and um, I just try to be prepared as I can for these races I don't have a ton of sea time I don't have a lot of experience in pavement cars so everything I can do to prepare before the race is gonna be beneficial 
I think Kurt Becker said out in the corners that during our MRN broadcast of the race that it was like 88 degrees or 89 degrees ambient temperature, which equates to about 120 probably in the car. So, uh, you know, no easy task uh, for the ARCA drivers on Saturday afternoon at Kansas Speedway. We'll talk about Charlotte coming up in a moment and the preparation, another mile and a half. How do you prepare for that race now that you have a mile and a half event under your books, under, under your belt at Kansas? Yeah, I think I just need to keep doing what I'm doing and putting all my efforts into preparing as much as I can for these races. With Kansas, I just had my debrief meeting today with my team and you know we went over the things I could work on, things I did well on and apply that to Charlotte. Charlotte is still a different animal of a track. It's gonna be a little bit rougher that, you know, my Kansas nice slow hands where Charlotte, your hands are gonna speed up a little bit. So take what I can learn from Kansas to apply it to Charlotte, but Charlotte is also just a completely different track. That's why iRacing is gonna be key. So I just need to make sure that I'm on iRacing as much as possible, watching in-car footage, past races, and just keep doing the things that I've been doing. Cause it, so far I think it's working. I wanted to work faster. I wanna get upfront quicker, but um, progression is always the goal and that's what we've been achieving. Yeah, they always say trust the process, right? So you're right. doing the right thing, but let's take a step back to how you got to this point. Winnipeg, Manitoba and Canada. How the heck do you get to where you are now? Obviously you've got a family lineage in racing with your dad and your grandfather, but was it always racing for you at the beginning or, or did it kind of come a little bit later when you were growing up? Yeah, I always knew I wanted to race since I was a young girl and it, at 10, I did get into go-karting and, but when I raced, you know, mini sprints, even 410 sprint cars, um, I was, I went to college, I got my business degree and I, I didn't really know what my future was going to look like, but I knew I loved racing and uh, basically I had like an aha moment one day in class and I was like, I don't want to work nine to five. I don't want to, you know, work a normal job. I want to be a race car driver. And so it was really challenging, you know, figuring out how I could get the finances to hire an immigration lawyer to get down here. Like even just getting down here was difficult. And then now getting down here, learning the industry, it's completely different than dirt track racing, learning the different types of cars, the different types of classes of cars, and um, just trying to put myself in good situations. Obviously we all make mistakes as, as we grow and learn. And, and I just want to learn from those mistakes and make sure I'm with the right people. And I think the biggest thing for why I think this year is going to be successful is I feel like I've really found a group of people who believe in me and work just as hard for me as I work for this as well. And um, with Icon Direct coming on board and, and being, they're the reason I'm able to race at the Arc Menards level. And so having them give me this opportunity and Red Jones Racing give me this opportunity, I want to make the most of it. And that's why I'm going to bust my butt every single day and to prepare for these races and, and just focus on being the best driver I can be. And so far, uh, so good coming off that top 10 this past weekend. Have the last two years, and they've posed a challenge for everybody, but obviously you're, you've been from Canada. We talked about the NASCAR Pinty series earlier and, and the challenges they've undergone. Have the last two years been much of a challenge for you with, with COVID and, and all the border restrictions and stuff that were, were implemented? Yeah, definitely. In 2020, I actually did have sponsorship lined up to race in, um, you know, on the pavement side of things and in, in the ARCA series and all that fell through when COVID hit. That's why I went back to dirt track racing, raced the midget for uh, Fleet Ruzik. So uh, that was, that was tough. And then I got in that crash and then I was like, do I, do I keep continuing to, to try to do this or or do I give up? And basically, I didn't want to go out that way. I didn't want to go out being, you know, 
in bed and like from a crash. I wanted, I came here to race in the Arc Menard Series. I came here to run in a national NASCAR series. And last year is when Icon Direct and I came together and made it happen. And I'm just so grateful now to, to be doing what we're doing. We did have talks at, you know, at the beginning of the year, but before I signed the contract with Icon Direct, they said, Amber, what if COVID comes up? What if there's no fans all the time? What do we do? And I, I just, you know, had to reassure them all the things that I knew to be true about the sport. And I NASCAR handled COVID absolutely flawlessly. You look at all the other sports and how they handled it, and I think NASCAR did an incredible job. So, um, you know, there was a lot of positive points that I could bring to Icon during that discussion, and so far, it's all working out. <laughs> yeah, and you mentioned real quick, to touch on it, when you went back dirt racing in 2020, that crash in the midget, I mean, you were in the hospital for a few days. I mean, you had some pretty significant injuries. What was that recovery like, and did you think uh-oh, I don't know if, you know, things are going to happen the way I want it to happen anymore after this accident. I mean, what was going through your mind? Yeah, absolutely. That wreck in itself, that was the first time that I had ever been really shooken from a race it, it was, or from a crash. It was the first time that I said, I don't think I'm going to race anymore. I mean, it only lasted about one day. Once the doctor told me that I could, I was able to recover, that it was different. But, um, you know, I woke up in an ambulance. I couldn't feel my arms, my legs. I thought I was paralyzed. It was, it was a scary feeling. Uh, but as soon as I started to get the feeling back and, you know, the nauseous went away and started to feel somewhat like a human again. I was like, no, I, I need, I need to make this happen. And it's time to dig deeper and work harder than ever before. When was the first race back after the wreck? And then what was that day like? Just kind of, you know, shake the, I guess the fear off of, of wrecking again. Yeah. Um, it was two months after the, I, it took me about two weeks to be able to go for like a five minute walk and put my arms above my shoulders. It, it was a lot slower of a recovery process than I would have liked, but um, it was two months later that we got back in the car and I was a little nervous if I was going to be able to push it. I was definitely a little rusty. It took a few laps to get going, but um, ultimately I think we, yeah, we had a top 10 with the Power Eye series that the next race. So um, it, it, obviously I'm not scared to be in a car. I'm not scared, scared to go fast. So it all, all worked out. And now I get to race in the Arc One Art Series, living my dream. I have to ask you, I was, I was looking at your bio on your website and it says you're often referred to as the underdog, even though you've had all these accomplishments in your racing career back at Canada and here on U.S. soil. Why is that? And what challenges do you still face? Especially, I know you mentioned like getting sponsorship. You're in charge of doing all that stuff. So what kind of stuff do you face on a, on a daily basis just to ensure your racing career keeps going? Yeah, I think the underdog just comes from knowing that I really started from humble beginnings. My parents were like, you can race, but you have to raise all the money on your own. So I was either owning my own cars and, and raising that sponsorship to run my own cars, or, you know, I, once I was started winning, I did get some opportunities to drive for other people, which was fantastic. And, and everyone knows to be at this level in a national NASCAR series, it requires a ton of funding. And most people do have that financial backing from family or, or some other sort. So for me, I'm having to raise seven figures of sponsorship money on my own to be able to race at these tracks. So for me to just be competing here is an accomplishment in itself. And um, that's something I'm, I'm proud of that I've been able to do this all on my own because it, it's been very difficult. It's taken me a long time. I've, I've been in the sport for a long time, but to get here, it, it's it's been a grind. It's been a challenge. and. Um, the biggest challenge, you know, it's not being Canadian, it's not being seamless, none of that. The biggest challenge is the financial aspect of the sport. So that's why I'm extremely grateful to have Icon Direct 
be partnered with me and, and we've had a great relationship. We're working on a lot of, you know, B2B deals and figuring out how I can really give them the best return on their investment. And luckily I enjoy the business side. It, it's fun for me. I, I, I do like it. So um, I think I'm kind of getting to live the best of both worlds right now, getting to race cars and help make people money. So it's good. Perfect. Yeah. Can't ask for much more than that. Um, we talk about the uh, the Arkham and Art series a lot on this show uh, and how diverse the schedule is. You, know, we, you already have two super speedways under your belt, um, a mile and a half, uh, a one mile in Phoenix. Coming up, a bunch of short tracks, a couple dirt tracks, a couple road courses. Other than the next one, what are you looking forward to down the road as far as you know the different types of race tracks that you get to run this year? Yeah, obviously with my background being primarily dirt track racing, I'm very excited for the dirt track races. Um, I was really excited for the super speedways. I, I love them. I think they're so fun. Really enjoy the mile and a half. Short track is, I think, what I'm used to. But personally, I like the bigger tracks. I like to feel speed. Um, I think, I don't know, I just, I enjoy them more. The road courses are going to be a challenge for me. I have zero road course experience. So hoping to um, get a little bit of experience in something before we get to those races because i know it's going to be a challenge and my final question for you is is again I, I like to dig dig deeper into the kind of race car drivers but you get to share this experience now as a newlywed right you just recently got married to jordan still plays canadian football i think maybe yes yeah so so, what, actually, so what's it like as a newlywed now sharing this and you got huggy bear too keeping uh, by your side <laughs> he's like he's right there clawing at the thing to come outside <laughs> but um uh, it's fantastic you know it, it's great to have jordan as you know, my husband, who is also an athlete, so understands the mindset and what it takes to be successful in our sports. It's difficult because we do have to sacrifice a lot out of our relationship to play our sports. He's in Canada right now at training camp. I'm in North Carolina, you know, working towards my dreams. So, um, you know, we got to spend two months together as newlyweds and now now we're apart. So it's it's challenging. Obviously, it'd be nice if we could be with each other during this time, but it also allows us to really hone in and focus on what we need to do for our sport. So I think there's positive positives and negatives to it. And my final question for you, uh, expectations going into the season, what are they? And do you anticipate them changing as you continue to get more and more comfortable in the seat of the race car? I really want to win a race. I know that no females won in the Arc Menard series before, and I really want to claim that title. I think that, you know, my whole true underdog story, the underdog always has to win in the end. So I'm going to work my butt off to make that happen. Um, you know, the, the goal, it was to progress, keep progressing to be able to get to that point by, you know, mid to end season. So um, we just got to keep firing off some top tens, then some top fives, then some podiums, and hopefully the win will follow. Well, awesome job this past weekend at Kansas. Looking forward to seeing you here in Charlotte. You don't have to go far, luckily, right? So it's right in our backyard. Um, and you get to perform also, too, at you know the home of NASCAR, right? Charlotte Motor Speedway. You know a lot of eyeballs are going to be there. How excited are you just to be there and take part in that? Because, you know, like I mentioned, it's Coke 600 weekend. Like, this is a big weekend for our sport. It is. And I'm honestly so excited for every single race day. Like I said, I'm so grateful to be here and I'm truly living my dream getting to race in this series. It's a great series full of great drivers. We go to so many different tracks and each and every track I'm like really excited for, but having been to Charlotte as a fan and watching races there, I'm really excited to be there as a driver.
Awesome. Well, best of luck coming up there in two weeks. Amber Balkan, the driver of the number 30, Rhett Jones Racing Ford in the Arkham Nard Series. She's claimed a top 10 at Kansas this past weekend. We'll be right back on the other side of this break. NASCAR Coast to Coast presented by Flow Racing. You're watching NASCAR Coast to Coast presented by Flow Racing, the new home of NASCAR Roots. Catch the Wheel and Modified Tour, Arc Menard Series, Pinties, and NASCAR Weekly Tour Races all season long on flowracing.com. Subscribe today. And welcome back to NASCAR Coast to Coast presented by Flow Racing. Just heard of the driver from Rhett Jones Racing, Amber Balkan. Kyle, we talked about it going into her interview, man. Just super impressed with what she's been able to do. A dirty dirt racing background, coming to asphalt, having to balance going from Canada back to the United States, and she's doing it pretty well so far here in 2022. She is. She is. And the results are showing, you know, getting a top 10 last week in Kansas. It appears that she has the confidence heading to Charlotte uh, in just over a week's time. We mentioned the dirt background earlier. Uh, will be interesting to see what she can do when the yeah. Arc of Nard series gets on those dirt tracks later this fall at uh, DeCoin and Springfield. So uh, going to be fun to, to watch her and her progression throughout the next 16 races and a run for uh, maybe a top five spot in those final standings. Absolutely. Well, before we get to the calendar and look ahead at what's coming up this weekend, which is a lot, we've got our shout-outs of the week here on NASCAR Coast to Coast, uh, giving some light and some love to some drivers we didn't get to talk about here on the show. How about Clayton Rogers, Kyle? This was my number one pick for shout-out of the week. Won twin features at Caraway in the Grand National Super Series after they've had a host of rainouts. First wins and he's 40-plus years old. His daughter hasn't been in victory lane since she was four. I mean, pretty cool to have a guy of his stature still slinging the steering wheel, slinging the helmet on, and getting it done uh, out there at Caraway Speedway. Congratulations to Clayton Rogers. My other shout-out is going to be Kyle Crump. Boy, showing the world. He's an up-and-coming late model series driver at such a young age. Uh, he's got part one of that CRA All-Star Triple uh, triple Crown event at Birch Run. They've got two more events. He's, he can win up to $32,000 if he can sweep all three. I think he's got to start from the back in race number two. But either way, Kyle Crump, tip of the cap to you. Good luck on your run for the Triple Crown. That's no easy task, but uh, he's pretty good. He may get it done. I have two. I'm going to go international for one of my shout-outs, and that is Alan Day, okay. a former – NASCAR Wheeling All-American or former NASCAR Wheeling Euro Series champion uh, winning over the weekend at the circuit Ricardo Tormo in the in the uh, Grand Prix of Spain, their season opener for the NASCAR Wheeling Euro Series. We have had Alan on this show many times over the years, a great personality. Hopefully we can get him on here again soon as he chases another championship, picking up the win and uh, is right there running for yet another title. They race at Brands Hatch in a couple of weeks time for their third and fourth events of the year in the United Kingdom. Also a shout out to uh, Tyler Leary. We're going to keep it up here in the Northeast. Uh, Tyler, a modified driver up here uh, in New England, uh, failed to qualify for the SK modified race at the Stafford Motor Speedway last Friday night because of some mechanical issues. Kept his head hell high, bounced back 24 hours later, went to the Monadnock Speedway up in New Hampshire and picked up the Sportsman modified checkered flag. So going from a, a pretty low load or pretty high high in a short amount of time. So uh, congratulations to Tyler Leary on that bounce back. And we hope to see him back at the track this weekend. Certainly a lot of drivers out there throughout the country deserving of a shout out. Well, I know race fans at home or at their local racetrack every weekend checking out the competition. If you've got a good shout out of the week that we should talk about, well, you can tweet at us. NASCAR Coast Coast on Twitter, Kyle Ricky, Chris Wilner as well on Twitter. You can message us, let us know maybe who's your shout out. Who knows? They may be ours too. We'll announce it on the show. I think that'd be pretty cool. Something we could do here on NASCAR Absolutely. Coast Coast. All right, Kyle, looking at the calendar this weekend, lots of big races 
And uh, we mentioned at the top of the show, the Wheel of Modified Tour turns right around back to back, and they go to the inaugural Granite State Derby at New Hampshire's Lee USA Speedway. First of all, it's in New Hampshire. Have you been there? And what can we expect from the Wheel of Modified Tour there? I have. It, it's a great little short track. Um, just, uh, I say, a few miles, probably about 50 miles from the New Hampshire Motor Speedway up in Loudoun, New Hampshire. Um, we always used to go to the short track on cup weekends. You know, you sit in the hot sun all day at the big track, watch the cup cars, watch the Ben the Bush cars and the modifieds. Then you jump in the car and go to Lee USA on, on Saturday night. Great little short track. I'll be honest, I have no idea what to expect. Uh, the Modified Tour, as you mentioned, this is an inaugural event for them at this racetrack. Should be fun to watch. It's a great facility. And that's what's going to make this event fun. Uh, there's not a lot of teams out there with many notes on how to get around Lee USA. And uh, uniquely shaped racetrack. I think there's like a dog leg on the back stretch. Um, fun little place. And it's going to be uh, fun to watch on Saturday night. It'll be fun to watch to see if Justin Bonsignor can have a rebound like he did at Richmond, uh, sitting 10th in the points after a 25th place finish out at Riverhead. That race Saturday, 7 p.m. again, right on Flow Racing. So if you don't have a subscription yet to Flow, how dare you? As soon as you're done watching this video, get on there and get on Flow uh, and check out the modified, the ground pounders there. 7 o'clock Saturday on Flow. NASCAR Pinty Series, again, their quick turnaround after starting the season at Sunset. eBay Motors 200 at Canadian Tire Motorsports Park, one of the coolest uh, road courses on not only their schedule, but just in general. I know IMSA goes there, and it's fantastic. And obviously, uh, when you talk road courses, you talk many different variables. And maybe who are some drivers we could think that would kind of cream rise to the top? I can think of LP as being a champion, but maybe there's somebody else that, that you may uh, keep your eyes on. Like an Andrew Ranger or Andrew Ranger, as we know him here in the States, uh, a great <laughs> road racer. I like that. Uh, Andrew, uh, you know, whenever, I, since I've been following the NASCAR Pinty series well over a decade, whenever it comes to road racing, Andrew is strong. Uh, when we raced at the Circuitio Villeneuve in Montreal, Canada, he was always the driver of the beat. One of the drivers that got the biggest roar from the crowd. He's very popular up in his home country. Uh, and uh, I look for him to be one of the favorites when we go. Uh, to Mossport this weekend. Yeah, should be a great race. One thirty Eastern time again on Flow Racing. That is on Sunday, so you can put that on and have the cup race uh, on that night. So it should be pretty, pretty good. Uh, Southern Super Series Super Late Models. We haven't talked about them in a little bit, but they are back in action at Greenville Pickens. 100 lapper uh, Bubba Pollard, I know, is going to be down there. I think Hunter Robbins is signed in uh, to run that race. Again, anytime we talk Southern Super Series, Kyle, you talk about all the big names and and it's a championship everyone, I think, in super late model racing wants to win. I can't imagine this is going to be any different. It's going to be a dogfight at Greenville Pickens, which has always put on really great races over the years. And that's because the the surface there is, like, older than dirt, I feel like. Um, I mean, the tire... <laughs> Uh, the, the, the tire wear there. I remember when the old, the, the, the K and N series, now the arc E series ran there. The first half of that race, they were just coasting around at like 70 miles an hour. It felt like, I felt like my civic could get out there and, and lap the field. Um, but yeah, those, those races are fun to watch. And I feel like you mentioned Hunter Robbins. I feel like he's having a career year, uh, and, uh, no doubt will be one of the favorites. Certainly will. And then we've got all the weekly racing you can digest on flow as well. Berlin, Bowman Gray, Florence, Jennerstown, Riverhead, Hickory, Langley, all with weekly shows. But 
We're going to be biased here on this show because Kyle's on it, of course, and talk Stafford and the call before you dig super or open modified 81 coming up this weekend. Kyle, they're not the only ones running. Obviously, we got a full slate SK modifieds. Late models are there. Uh, this race is quickly growing pretty popular, too. So what can we expect out there at Stafford this weekend for those watching on flow? And do you remember, and you may not, who won it a year ago? Oh, hold on. Hold on. Not Chris Willner or Kyle Ricky? No. Mike Christopher no. Jr. Who? driving for Tommy Baldwin Racing. Ah, uh, that's right. Oh, so 7NY went to victory lane in this race a year ago. Pretty special moment to have, um, you know, the Christopher name, which is you know so legendary at stafford motor speedway the late great ted christopher the all-time win leader at stafford um mike jr uh son of Co uh, son of course to mike senior who was teddy's the late teddy's brother so uh to have them teamed up with tom baldwin was an amazing run and it was pretty special to celebrate with them in victory lane they'll be back this uh friday night along with a host i think there are like 32 teams entered ready to go to try to make that event here on friday you mentioned the SK Modifieds. Uh, David Arute, whose family runs and operates the facility, was able to pick up the race win, his third career win in an SK Modified. So a pretty special moment there to be able to win at his home race, his, his family's track, not even his home track, a track that he helps operate um, and fending off some of the best SK Modified drivers uh, in the region behind him, like Keith Rocco and, and Todd Owen, the track's uh, defending champion. So, yeah, it's going to be a full night of racing all here on Flow at about uh, 6 o'clock Eastern time on Flow Racing. That's right. 6 o'clock start time. If you're out at Stafford, give Kyle a nice little wave. Maybe he'll sign an autograph for you if you're lucky. I know he may charge some money. I'm not sure. Uh, it's tough to get a Kyle Ricky autograph these days, but... Uh... We'll, uh, we'll see if you guys make it out there. Definitely get one. So uh, wherever you're at across the country, enjoy the racing here this weekend. Kyle, any plans this weekend besides Stafford? Are you going to check out any other racing around the uh, New England area? Well, we have Lee USA Speedway, which is about an hour and a half from the house. I may head up there on Saturday. Uh, if not, 30 minutes away is the New London Waterford Speed Bowl for their uh, blast-off event with the SK Modifieds as well. So uh, may go down there. Um, and then go-kart racing on Sunday at one of the local tracks in Pomfret, Connecticut. A lot of stuff on flow as well. Hopefully Bowman Gray can finally get a break from Mother Nature. They've been rained out the last few weeks. So uh, we'll see. But, yeah, there's a lot of options. It's that time of year. And like you said earlier, my favorite time of year. <laughs> Certainly is. I'm going to be keeping an eye on all that, plus all the action out at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, obviously month of May, Coke 600 weekend coming up pretty soon as well. So lots to go on down here in the Southeast. Well, Kyle, Ricky, we appreciate it. As always, enjoy your weekend up there at Stafford. For Amber Balkan, thank you for joining us. I'm Chris Wilner. That has been NASCAR Coast to Coast for this week, presented by Flow Racing. Enjoy your weekend of racing, and we'll be back next week. If you enjoyed this episode of NASCAR Coast to Coast, be sure to subscribe to Flow Racing, the new home of NASCAR Roots, where you can catch the Wheel and Modified Tour, the Arc Menard Series, Pinties, and NASCAR Weekly Tour Races all season long on flowracing.com. Subscribe today.